I give you the example of Ministry of Health. The budget of Ministry of Health in the last four years has increased from around 60 billion. It is now at 130 billion. What is the Ministry of Health doing? Yet. Yet the function is 100% evolved. How do you, I mean, I mean, well, then the question would be, how do you reduce expenditure? Um, a number of ways. First of all, you could eliminate, uh, you can reduce expenditure by eliminating duplication. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by this? What you will notice is that the national government has attempted to retain or even crawl back functions that were devolved to counties. Mm. And this is in health, it is in water, it is in the road sector and so on. So eliminate that duplication. And uh, we estimate that you could uh, save as much as 100 billion, perhaps up to 140 billion, by eliminating duplication. Because then you eliminate the the bureaucracy, you eliminate... uh, Cost of corruption. uh, The second thing you can do is that you could dial back, you could reduce the amount of uh, big infrastructure expenditure. Now... The criticism of the immediate former regime was that it was growing the economy by borrowing a road to build roads. Mega infrastructure. Mega infrastructure. Now, if that criticism is correct, then the right response is to reduce the number of the, the money going to mega infrastructure. But that is not happening. Instead, in fact, that figure is going up. Uh, in, the, in this year's current budget that was inherited from the previous regime, the figure was something like 370 billion you could reduce it by 100 billion 120 billion to something like 250 which is a slightly which is more uh, sustainable you could also focus not on the big highways but you could go to rural roads uh, which in fact are required and are more in, uh, synchronized with their strategy of improving agriculture so you should focus more on rural roads both gravel roads and raw volume seal um, as opposed to the very large ticket uh, infrastructure. But you could also do something else. If you look at the recurrent expenditure, uh, it is estimated in the budget that is being proposed uh, at 2.5 trillion. You know, two years ago, it was 1.8 trillion, yeah? three years ago. So you could dial back current expenditure to 2020 or 2021 levels. Mm-hmm. How can you do it? You do zero based budgeting. Mm-hmm. So that every item in the detailed budget mm. is justified from zero. Okay, The way budgeting is done now is that supposing in your department or section, a travel budget last year was 20 billion. Right. I mean 20 million. So this year you increase it to 22 million. Mm. So you are simply building, piling up without asking the question, is that travel necessary in the first place? So... If this regime were to do, you know, zero-based budgeting, that every item must be justified from zero, you will find, including on the on the human resource, you will find that they could probably save uh, for uh, three to four hundred billion in the recurrent expenditure. So, by just those three very straightforward things, avoid duplication. Okay? I give you the example of Ministry of Health. The budget of Ministry of Health in the last four years, has increased from around 60 billion. It is now at 130 billion. What is the Ministry of Health doing? Yet. Yet the function is 100% evolved. Precisely. But because they they have been able to attract money, they they start doing things like saying, we want to help counties 
to build level three hospitals. That's not their role, it's not their function. And the bureaucracy to do that procurement is, is, is you're wasting resources. Mm. The same is replicated with, with the water work development agencies, mm. with the regional development agencies, with, so avoid duplication, and you can save in excess of 100 billion. Dial the budget to zero, so that you do a zero, 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 zero cost. Right. I mean, zero base budgeting that every item must in the budget must be justified. Don't take last year's figure and simply add on to it. And thirdly, dial down or refocus uh, infrastructure expenditure. So instead of you know focusing on big highways, reduce that and focus on rural roads and low volume seal because that is actually what is synchronized mm. with the already stated uh, agriculture. Those three measures alone could probably save in excess of 400 billion in the budget and we and we can and we, and we should, uh, you know we can go deeper uh, into it but and, and it is a straightforward thing to do what is required of course is the willingness of the leadership of this regime uh, to do the correct thing so so is because we we have i mean arguably i mean there are there are few economic managers who i mean of repute within the government right mm. so i think the question i think myself and maybe Kenyans are asking, is this an incompetence problem or it's a political problem or both? Well, I, I, I'm not sure what you mean. Is it, is it a political or, or, or problem? First of all, in, increasing, increasing taxes hmm. is a major political problem. Precisely. Um, and I certainly, as a Kenyan, I join all Kenyans who are saying to government, hey, hold on guys, style up. I don't have any more money to pay you. I mean, take the issue of... of Increasing tax on dividends. Now, when you invest in a small business, you, the investor, the person who owns the business, what comes to you is profit. Right. That profit is already taxed at 30%. Now, this proposal is that whatever you distribute to yourself and your shareholders is now going to be taxed not at 5%, at 15%. So as an investor with a small business, you, your income... What is due to you, the owner of the business, is being targeted now at 45%. So, uh, you know, Kenyans are saying to the regime, hey, wait one, guys, we have no more money to give to you. How can you uh, <laughs> increase cost of fuel, which is already extremely expensive, and is bringing up the cost of living? How can you increase taxes on flour, unga, which is already the major point of contention? So, I mean, I think this regime is going to have a major political problem on their hands. Uh, taxation is a bigger political problem than cutting expenditure, if, if you ask me. So why uh, the regime would choose uh, the political fight, I have no idea, except to say that there appears to be a certain don't-care attitude. And as I said, my personal view, there appears to be infighting among economic managers. Otherwise, there's too much contradiction in the way policies in in the in the in the in the policies that have come out, and I would expect that most members of parliament, including the ones who were previously pro-regime, uh, will be looking to oppose these taxation measures because their citizens uh, will be very very opposed. And you 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 said earlier, I mean, you disagree with IMF. Is it is it I I mean participation? Well, look, I disagree with IMF, and I want to remind Kenyans, you know institutions, IMF, World Bank, uh, whatever, 
uh, institutions, these institutions are run by human beings, mm. <laughs> just like you. Okay. And actually, in their diagnosis of the problem and in the prescriptions that they have provided. Um, you know, 20 years ago, uh, in Kibaki regime, during the first term of uh, President Kibaki, we had raging arguments with colleagues in the IMF who believed that we could not democratize and grow the economy at the same time. Yet we were explaining, these are our imperatives, that's the situation of Kenya. We needed to create democracy, but we also needed to grow the economy at the same time. And they were wrong. As a matter of fact, in that first term of Kibaki, real wages went up by four, four, four times. Mm. That's why everybody remembers it with such nostalgia, because everybody was better off. So the IMF prognosis at that time was wrong. And it is my uh, considered and professional view that they are wrong. Now, the answer is not to tax Kenyans to death. And, and I'll point you to you, uh, two other points um, or illustrations of why the analysis is wrong. Take the idea that because total taxes as a percentage of GDP is 17%, there is room to move it to 22%. Mm. And I say it is wrong because Kenya's GDP has been growing because of the increase in public expenditure, mm. because of SGR, because of roads, because of... Now, those public assets do not pay assets, do not pay taxes. Yeah. So for you to increase from 17 to 22%, you have to squeeze those who pay. Yeah. And, and it is therefore wrong. Now, in a, in a different economy where growth is because of private sector activity, then the percentage of taxation could go up. But right now, that prescription moving from 17 to 22% is downright wrong. Why? Because the principal source of growth of the Kenyan GDP has been large-scale infrastructure. And that, it, you know, you know, government cannot tax itself, can it? It's the same um, erroneous argument um, when people are saying that the debt ceiling should be as a percentage of GDP. Again, it is, it is a, an erroneous argument based on a mirage. The principal driver of the increase in the gross domestic product of Kenya has been the massive investments in infrastructure during the Jubilee regime and even prior to the Jubilee regime. Now, you can't really tax the road. So you end up taxing fuel and that is what lands you into the current problem. So we are actually better off with having a specific figure of debt ceiling as opposed to pegging it to the GDP because the main driver of GDP is a component that cannot generate tax, mm -hmm. which is uh, big infrastructure expenditure. So, I, I, I mean, I think about the profile of, of who would be the ideal profile for governor of Central Bank who can stand up and do the correct thing for Kenya because it is the correct, based on correct analysis and correct and, and Kenya's national interest. And, and finally, uh, you know, you, you could ask yourself, show me where the fund prescriptions uh, have worked and I'll show you maybe twice as many where the prescriptions have landed countries into more problems. Mm. Finally, finally, Governor, as to conclude, you know, as a, as a Kenyan, I'm, I'm listening to you, mm -hmm. and the last couple of months, uh, what happens if what happens if uh, the West doesn't uh, bail out Kenya as as this as this foreign policy posture seems to be to be courting them to do that for what happens? I do not know, to my knowledge, mm -hmm. of any economy in the world that has been developed by foreigners. I don't know of any economy where the main source of growth has been because foreigners are nice to you. Um, I mean, it's all right to have positive relations internationally and regionally, but you should never ever put the interests of Kenyans 
you know lower than the interests of foreigners in other words you should never ever prioritize the interests of other nations mm. to your own national interest it cannot possibly be in kenya's national interest to tax the mamamboga that after a, a, a week of work and and she wants to go and get a wig so, so that she can go to church mm. that you want to tax her more it cannot be correct that the boda boda operator you want him to pay more for fuel for the boda boda and remember the mamamboga will take that boda boda home how can that be in kenya's national interest it uh, it cannot be in kenya's national interest to tax small businesses more already uh, more than half of small businesses do not see uh, the third or fifth year okay? many many small businesses start and they fail because of many reasons but ultimately because they are not profitable now the turnover tax is not a tax on profit is a cost that if i sell 10000 shillings or 5000 shillings i will now pay 3% of that amount how can that be in kenya's national interest so the the, the kenyans can be forgiven for feeling frustrated and annoyed with a regime that promised that made very very rosy promises a regime that promised that for once the regime and the policies are going to be pro hustlers pro poor people pro young people and that is actually what perhaps made them get uh, some votes and within their very first budget they have abandoned all of those it's okay to be liked by germany or liked by israel or liked by america or liked by japan it's okay to be liked by neighbors but it's far more important to ensure that your citizens the the the, the standard of living of your citizens is improving the economic survey this year shows that real wages the average real income is declining and for the third year in a row meaning what kenyans could buy with their salary last year was 3% less than the year before and what they could buy with their salary the year before was 3.8% less than the year before so the standard of living of kenyans is coming down when you look at uh, the financial access survey although kenyans now most of us have either a bank account or a mobile money account the the measures of welfare like for example if you ask people you know how often do does your family go without food the percentage saying maybe once a, once a, once a week is now closer to 20 something percent 26 27% so one in three people are likely to go hungry or to sleep hungry at least once in a week so welfare measures are declining so what does it matter whether say germany likes us <laughs> what does it matter right. if if you have no food and so governor so mm. i think uh, one of the things i think that kenyans have been grappled for a long time at this livelihood question is that what's wrong with our economy what's wrong with our economy is probably what had made particularly young people attracted to this idea of bottom up what is wrong with our economy is that the structure of it mm-hmm. has never really been able to work properly for the majority of kenyans to give you a couple of examples the sector we call formal sector meaning somebody has a, a payslip yeah. that sector produces only about 100,000 new jobs per year that is why in end in every year about a million of us get come out into the job market so 900,000 directly go to juakali and informal sector now you would think that all of government policy would be focused on that informal because it is 90% of where we get jobs from but if you 
look at most government policy, it is focused on the sector that produces this 10% of the jobs as opposed to the sector that produces 90%, 90% of the jobs. With what? Everything from finance uh, to incentives. For example, you will have seen the Minister for Trade and so on and industrialization going around and declaring, oh, I have gazetted an export processing zone. And that's okay. But ask yourself, since we started this policy in 1990, so 32 years ago, how many total jobs have EPZs created? And you'll find maybe there'll be like 50,000. Why are we focused on it? Why are we giving so many incentives to it? For example, if you are there in EPZ and you buy a machine for your factory, that machine is tax-free. But if you are in Dagoretti making high-end furniture, Mm. whichever machine you buy, you're paying taxes on it. Mm. So there is no... uh, All incentives are focused on this tiny little so-called modern sector Mm. to the exclusion of the main main body uh, or, or main segment where most Kenyans work, which so, is the informal sector. So how and you we, can see now hmm. the, the, the punitive idea taxing. Of, of taxing, not income, but revenue. So you are target really on people from the informal sector. Indeed. The turnover tax yeah. is for informal and small businesses. Yeah, SMEs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how, how do we have a conversation outside of this pie-in-the-sky bottom-up where we really need to focus uh, economic policy on the 90%? As I've already said, I think that this regime was elected um, or got votes. Yeah, they they got votes on the on the on the the promise Mm. uh, to do so. But that promise is is beginning to look like uh, a lie, beginning to look like pie in the sky. You know what? And and I want to circle back to why is the regime so interested in um, creating? chaos in uh, opposition parliamentary parties. Because you see, the, the, uh, the, one of the main platforms to engage would have been parliament. But the regime has been very active in trying to uh, provide, perhaps provide inducements for opposition parties that are in the, by the way, legally, the current opposition coalition at the, at, at the conclusion of the last general election was actually the majority coalition and its membership is being whittled by uh, I would say inducements and it is because the conversation you're asking one major platform is is for example this finance bill that is really really punitive to Kenyans will be debated in the parliament parliament. even and and Kenyans should uh, participate in this public participation but ultimately it will go to parliament for a yes or no and only parliament can amend or decline this finance bill so if you ask me what what is my what would i encourage kenyans to do in your constituencies engage your member of parliament and let her know your views about these taxes and ask her for once to stand with you and represent your interests after all members of parliament are first and foremost representatives of people so if you are a civil society organization in your neighborhood in your constituency engage and, and let kenyans express themselves on these uh, rather as i said punitive taxes mm. uh, and, and express their views to their members of parliament thank you so much thank you for your time here